That's me. Okay, watch this. Wow, did you like that? Talented guy. Hey, light person, if you can turn those first little row right up there, those spots, I'd appreciate it. Wherever you are. There we go. Ask and you shall receive. Your life is now. What a great song. You know, one of the things that we want to help you do here at The Rock is make the most of your life now. Sometimes one of the surprising things that I think people discover when they come to The Rock is that for a church, we don't just have our head in the clouds and all we ever talk about is eternity. Sometimes you walk into the church and you, and, and you walk out of the church and you wonder what you just heard. Have you ever had that happen to you before? No? Well, you maybe don't go to church as often as I did when I was younger. But I used to go to church and I would sit there and draw on the back of the program. Now, the way we keep you from doing that here is we keep the lights out. We don't give you a pencil. And that way you can't write on the back of the programs. But in all seriousness, sometimes we think that God is only interested in the hereafter or in these high and lofty theological platitudes that we can't understand. Actually, God is very interested in your life right now. And God wants to help you make the most of your life right now. And that's what we want to do, is want to help you make the most of your life and get a grip on your life so that before you know it, your life hasn't passed you by and you didn't live it. Maybe the way you wanted to or the outcome is different than what you thought it would be. There's a lot of people, they operate under the erroneous assumption or the erroneous belief that life just happens. The most enjoyable life of all is just let it happen to you. That's a little bit like saying, just get in your car, turn it on, head down 35W or north, and just let go of the steering wheel. And wherever it takes you, it takes you. I don't think there's anyone in this room this evening, unless you were high or drunk, that's stupid enough to do such a thing. And yet, if you think about it, there's a lot of people who live their life that way. That's just kind of the way they go about life. Well, let's see. What will happen to me this year? Well, I wonder where I'll be in five years from now. I wonder where I'll be in ten years from now. That kind of a philosophy is only going to give you a lot of pain in your life. I don't know about you, but I don't like pain. So, you know, I've discovered the truth that in God's Word, He gives us the ability to see the future before it happens and make decisions regarding the future so that instead of crashing, so to speak, and burning on the rocks... We go down that smooth highway. I don't know if you heard about this Greek freighter the other day. You know, this Greek ferry boat. All these 500, 600 people got on looking forward to a great vacation. The captain took a nap. And the other fools were watching a soccer game. Now, you might think a soccer game, that's innocent enough. What could have possibly happened when we're watching a soccer game? What could have possibly happened was probably one of the most well-marked dangerous areas in that part of the world, in that part of the sea, they crashed into. And about 60, 70 people died, and now they're all up on murder charges for neglect. Think for just a moment. How many decisions in life are just like that? We don't think about responsibility. We don't think about what the outcome might be. What could possibly go wrong from taking a few minutes on a ferry boat to watch a soccer game? 60 people died. And I got a feeling, I got a feeling these guys are going to spend the rest of their life in prison, not because they were criminal, 
Not because they premeditatedly decided we want everyone to die. They just indulged for a moment in a little pleasure, in a little enjoyment, and no one's life is the same. I want you to think about your life for a moment. Maybe it was your life four years ago or three years ago or two years ago or a year ago or a week ago on any particular night. And you got involved in something. You never really thought a whole lot about the consequences. You didn't really intend to be in this situation, but the next thing you know, you're there. And something happened to you or you did something or you participated in something and you can never go back and change it. Simply because you just kind of got carried along. You just kind of got carried along with everyone else or with this one person in this relationship. And you compromise something that you can't ever take back. What will it be in the future? Have you thought about that? What will it be in the future? What do you want your life to be? What would you like your life to be? You know, there's a lot of people. We've been talking about getting a grip on your life. So we've talked about focus. We've talked about goals in life. We've talked about planning. We've talked about action steps. We've talked about the perseverance you need to get there. There's a lot of people who have done wonderful with their time management. They have their little schedule. They have their little palm pilot. And they can see the next 10 years at a glance. There's a lot of people doing really well with their money. They have financial goals. They've made plans. And they're working towards those goals. There's other people who simply have life goals and they're working towards those. But I want to tell you the area that is the most neglected of all, but it is the most important area of every person's life in the world. And that is getting a grip on the spiritual area of your life. You see, you are not a physical being first. You are not a sexual being first. You are a spiritual being first. First and foremost, you are spiritual. And when the spiritual is out of balance... Nothing else in life goes right. Nothing. You might meet your financial goal. You might meet your athletic goal. You might meet your life goal. But when you get to that goal, there's an empty hollowness inside because you've neglected the center of your person, the spiritual part of you. I don't know if you've ever gone skiing before, but... I'm sure many of you have or you've tried to snowboard or maybe some of you tried to surf. The secret to all of those endeavors is balance. Without balance, you know, you may be decked out with the coolest ski equipment, the coolest ski clothes. You might have the coolest snowboard. You might have the hottest surfboard. may have paid a lot of money for it. But if you do not know how to maintain your balance, it doesn't do you any good. Because it's not a lot of fun to keep falling and falling and falling and falling and falling and falling and falling. That's not fun. It's a little bit like a teeter-totter. Maybe you remember one of those when you were a kid. You ever try to stand in the middle of it, you know, and balance it? It's a little hard to do. That's a little bit what life is like. Some of us, we've got our money things. We, we, we're thinking about our career. We're thinking about our college education. We know kind of where we want to go. Some of you don't, but some of you do. And you're working hard towards that. And you have kind of a, a dream of what your future you'd like it to be in. And that, that teeter-totter, it's all weighted. You've got your goals there. You've got your physical fitness goals. You've got your personal goals, relate, whatever they might be. 
But you're teeter-totter just like this and you don't even realize it. And the reason you don't realize this is because you're spiritually numb. You don't realize that there is an emptiness inside of each of you that God put there that only God can fill. And without God, let me put it to you another way, without God, it's simply impossible to make the right decisions. It's not possible. You say, well, why is it not possible? Because God made it that way. God made you so that you cannot live a fulfilling, meaningful, satisfying life without Him. At the same time, God offers Himself to any person. It's not as though God withholds Himself. It's not as though God has hidden Himself. It's not as though God is playing hide-and-seek with you. It's, it's more like we're playing hide-and-seek with God. It's more like, you know what, God... What's mine is mine, and I don't want you to have anything to do in my life. Except I know that there are many of you here tonight. Many of you here tonight, you've been looking for something. You've been searching for something. And I want to share with you tonight what that something is. Most people in this life, and particularly in this country, I would say are very rich in a lot of areas, but when it comes to the spiritual area of their life, they're very poor. By poor, I don't mean they're bad at it. That would be true, too. I mean they're just impoverished when it comes to a relationship with God. Most people have no idea what it means to experience God in their life. I want to tell you something about life. You will either spend your life addicted to God or addicted to everything else. And until you realize that you need this addiction to God, that we were created for God, You'll never, ever have balance or control in your life. And something will get you. It might be sex. It might be you become a people pleaser. It might be relationships. It might be your world revolves around people. You just can't live without them. It might be possessions. It might be achievement. For some of the rest of you, it may already be drugs or alcohol. And your life ends up being ravaged because it's out of balance because none of those things can give you what God can give you. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 21, Jesus is telling a story. It's entitled, The Story of the Rich Fool. Someone called out in the crowd to Jesus, Tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Now, let's just interpret what's being said here. Jesus, tell my, my brother to give me my share of the money. Okay, that's what the estate was. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? I mean, I mean, why do you think all of a sudden I should be the one to call the shot in that area? Jesus is saying to this man. Then Jesus said, beware. Don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much we own. And then Jesus gave this illustration. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. In fact, his barns were full to overflowing. So he said to himself, I know. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store everything. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Before I go on, I was just reading today a little report about baby boomers. It was on spirituality and it was in the faith and variety section of the Star Tribune. 
And it said that boomers have always talked about spirituality. They've always waited and decided in their 50s. And in the surveys, they say, when I get to my 50s, I'll begin to delve into spirituality. Problem is, is that many, many boomers, not all, aren't alive by the time they get to their 50s to delve into spirituality. The problem with many of them is that the best years of their life when they desperately needed spirituality, they didn't have. And this is a little bit what Jesus is trying to get across to the crowd. And he said then, But God said to the rich man, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything that you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. A person is a fool. It's foolish. It's stupid. It's short-sighted. It's ignorant. To have the things that the world can give you, but be poor in your relationship with God. And I want to talk with you this evening about how to get a rich relationship with God. It's impossible to live life if you don't know the truth. There's a lot of people today who say that the truth doesn't matter. Truth is relative. Let me ask you a question. Is truth relative when you reach up into the medicine cabinet and you want aspirin and instead you grab someone's heart tablets? Is truth relative when you go to the doctor and you're feeling some pain in your abdomen and it feels a little abnormal and you go and the doctor says, oh, no problem, don't worry about it. It's just gas. It's just something you ate. Three months later, the pain intensifies. You go to another doctor and find that there's a soft-sized tumor in your stomach. Does the truth matter? Is it going to bother you that you were lied to? Is it going to bother you that someone made a mistake? If you take your car and it's been running kind of funny and you've got to go in and get it worked on, does it bother you if the mechanic lies to you? And tells you that it needs $800 worth of brakes. And it only needed 100 My point is, young person, is that the truth matters. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Christ is the truth. Christ is the way. And Christ wants to liberate you. Christ wants to fill you with meaning and peace and purpose and hope. He wants to forgive you. Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, how would it benefit you if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? You know what this verse reminds me of? The Olympics. This verse reminds me of some of those, I won't name names, who in their quest for the gold will put anything in their body for a bigger edge until they get caught. What does it profit you to gain the gold and sell out? One of the most touching stories of the Olympics, maybe you've seen it if you've watched it, is about two girls, both in Taekwondo. One Asian-American, one Caucasian-American. Best friends. Came down to the Olympic trials. They're supposed to go to the finals. They're supposed to fight each other. But one of the girls hurts her knee and can't fight. And so her friend bows out. Bows out. Because she refuses to fight her friend who's hurt. She refuses to win that way. 
And she loves her friend more than she cares about the middle. I don't know if you knew this, but the young lady happened to be a Christian. The young lady happens to know Christ. You see, Christ gives you different values. Instead of selling, you see, what would it profit you to gain a medal the cheap way? What does it profit you? What did it profit Ben Johnson? Run the fastest 100 meters that had ever been run, only to have it stripped away because he cheated. And now he spends his life in shame and humiliation. What did it profit Millie Manilla? To fake their way through music. And then everyone found out it was a humiliating thing. Now let me tell you something. It may be comical, but it won't be funny when you have to stand before God and you've tried to fake your way through life. Because he knows. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what runs through your veins. He didn't have to do any drug tests. He knows. He knows what your heart's like. He knows what your values are like. And the Bible tells us that in the last day, many will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. And he says to them, depart from me, for I never knew you. Leave my presence. I never knew you. You see, you have to ask yourself, do you really know God? And does God really know you? Have you made a decision for Christ? Do you understand that He loves you? Do you understand that no one's born a Christian? I've talked to so many young people. You know, many of you have probably been to some church of some type before. Let me just tell you one of the greatest lies in religion today in America. And that is that we're all God's children. No, we're not. We're all God's creatures. But we're not all God's children. There are many who say, well, you know, you just try the best that you can. You do the best that you can. And your good deeds will outweigh your bad. That's a lie. You can try until you're blue in the face. You could, you, could, you could be like the movie The Mission. Robert De Niro. Packing all his swords and shields on his back and climbing up a mountain in penance. And all the penance in the world will never, ever... Take the place of the blood that Christ shed for you for free. And if you have the audacity to think you could please God with your own sacrifice, then you are truly deceived and blind and do not even begin to grasp how arrogant you really are and how self-righteous you really are. You see, God is close to the brokenhearted. God is close to those who recognize, Lord, I'm sinful, I'm broken, I'm dysfunctional without you, and I need you in my life. I need you in my life. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God loves you. He loves you today. He'll love you tomorrow, and He loved you thousands of years ago. And God sent His Son. His name was Jesus Christ. He was God in the flesh. And He lived His life to become a sacrificial lamb for you. You don't have to do anything to get God to love you. He already loves you. You can't do anything to get God to accept you. The only thing that you can do is embrace Christ and come to God on His terms. I know tonight because I'm speaking to a room full of human beings of which I am one, that all of us in this room have done things wrong deliberately wrong we've hurt other people we've said things we shouldn't have said we've thought things we shouldn't have thought maybe we've stolen maybe we've been immoral maybe we've broken the law whether we've broken 
this world's law or not, we have certainly broken God's law. And Christ, you see, He bridges that gap with His life. What God wants to do is He wants you to exchange your life for His. It won't cost you a thing. It won't cost you a thing. As you look out in the world around us, you know that we live in a very, very broken world. We live in a world full of people who hurt other people, who use other people. You see it on the college campus. You see it on the television. You see it on your job. My daughter recently started working at a daycare center. Sometimes they pick her up, she comes home in tears. She said, Dad, I cannot believe the way daycare providers speak to these children. I cannot believe how out of control some of these little children are. And it breaks my heart. I could take, we could go anywhere. We could go to a Little League baseball game. We could go to a soccer game. We could walk into a classroom. We could walk into somebody's dorm room. And it doesn't take long before you see that human beings are quite despicable in nature. We're not very upright. We don't have much integrity. And we're always bending the rules to please ourselves. We're selfish in our relationships. That's why we have so much trouble with relationships. We're selfish. We're jealous. We're envious. We want the attention. You see, Christ came to set us free from ourselves. Until you get a grip on your own life, how will you get a grip on all the other things in life? Until you get the spiritual imbalance in your life, then it's impossible to have the joy in the other areas of your life. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, that I have come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. God wants to give you an abundant life. Now, I want to ask you this question today. Would you say you have an abundant life? Would you say your life is just daily full and satisfying and filled with joy and filled with peace and filled with hope and filled with contentment? Would you say that in your life you see the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? Or do you see in your life fear, anxiety, worry, and deceit? and shame, and guilt. You see the kind of things in your life that you know in your heart? I don't want these things to be there. I'm not saying the moment you come to Christ, all of a sudden you're this perfect person. But I'll tell you, when you come to Christ, there's a big difference in your life. First place you have to start in order to get your life in balance is come to Christ. I want to ask you this question. Have you dealt with the guilt in your life? Have you dealt with the shame in your life? Do you know in your heart that you feel God has forgiven me? I have been forgiven because I know I have accepted Christ. I know I've been born again. I know I've begun a relationship with God. Or do you just know about God? Did you just grow up being confirmed and religious and you're relying on, well, I was baptized when I was a kid. That ain't going to do you any good. I ask the question, because most of us probably here were baptized when we were two months old or maybe a week. Did that keep you from sleeping around? I don't think so. Christ and only Christ can give you the power to overcome the pull of this flesh. And if you don't have Christ, and if you don't have His power in your life, then just let me tell you the little things going to happen in your life. The flesh is going to pull you down for the rest of your life. 
It'll pull you down. You'll never get on top of it. It will always be on top of you. And that's what Christ wants to do, is give you the ability to break out. He wants to give you the ability to defy carnal gravity. So you don't have to live a low life anymore. You don't have to feel like a low life anymore. See, put it, put it simply, before we come to Christ, we're sinners. After we come to Christ, we're saints. By the way, the Catholic Church doesn't have to canonize you to make you a saint. Christ makes you one. You come to Christ, and you're a saint. The Bible makes that very clear. In almost every epistle, the Bible begins each letter by saying to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Philippi. Who is he writing to? Just a few people? No. Any person who comes to Christ, God changes you from the inside out. I want to give you the opportunity tonight to accept Christ. I want to give you the opportunity to begin your life fresh and new. I want you to close your eyes. I don't want you to look around at anybody else. All that matters is you tonight. Okay? You just close your eyes and you listen to me. God is here tonight. He's here in spirit. And God brought you here tonight. You're not here by accident. God brought you here. God wants to do something wonderful and significant in your life. He wants to give you the brand new life. He wants to take and He will take all of your shame and all of your guilt and all of your wrongdoings from the past, from the present right now that some of you may be doing and from the future, all of it. He died for it. And then He rose from the dead so that you would never have to die. You do not have to be afraid of the future. You do not have to be afraid that my past is going to come back to haunt me. You do not have to be afraid that all the dysfunction in my life is my future. There's no way I can overcome it. Because you see, Christ, when He invades your life, when you allow Him to invade your life, He changes the reality of your life. Christ changed the reality of my life. Many years ago, if he had not, I would be a very broken down person today. There is no way I can explain to you how broken I would be. I would not have a marriage. I would not have a family. Because I have a terrible temper. I can be extremely harsh. And if I did not have Christ to give me the power to overcome my lower nature... I'd have no future. I'd be a wandering vagabond like my father is today. And I promise you that unless you come to Christ, unless you submit to Christ, you are destined to repeat in your own way all the mistakes of your relatives of the past. You might do it in a different way. You might have had a relative or a parent addicted to alcohol. That might not be your drug of choice. You might hate it. It might be cigarettes for you. It might be money for you. It might be pleasure for you. It might be some other kind of obsessive or compulsive addiction. The only way you can break out of that is Christ. And I'm going to close in prayer this evening and when I'm praying, you can just talk to God in your heart and you just tell Him, Lord Jesus, I want you in my life. I want to know you in my life. I want you to come into my life and forgive me. I realize I've sinned. I've made mistakes and I want your forgiveness in my life. 
When you make that step towards God, and with your heart, you genuinely believe, like a little child. We come to God as a little child. We believe that what He says is true, and what He said He'll do, He'll do. You invite Him into your heart. And the moment you do that, He comes inside of you, and He makes you a new creation. And you'll never die. You'll never be held responsible for your wrongdoings. You'll never be judged. And Christ will never leave you. Ever. He'll never turn His back on you. He'll be there for you at every turn in your life. And as you learn to follow Him, and we'll help you do that here at The Rock, that's what church was meant to be. A place where you could find God, learn about God, and understand how to submit to and obey God. And when you do that, then and only then, will you experience freedom. So I want you to ask him tonight, if you don't know him, if you're not certain that if you died tonight, you'd go to be with Christ, then you make certain tonight. And you just pray that simple prayer as I pray tonight. Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I want you to be my Savior. I want this life. I want you to take my pain and my sorrow fill it with joy and your peace. Thank you for coming into my life. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you this evening that you are the way and the truth and the life. I want to thank you this evening, Lord, that you brought these people to this point tonight. Some of them, Lord, they may never understood this before. Some of them maybe have heard this thing many, many times in their life. And yet maybe they've never responded. Lord, you know, we have no guarantee for tomorrow. As I was watching on the news the other night in this young woman who was visibly shaken and trembling, obviously in her early 20s, as she was sobbing after that ferry had crashed and she was rescued and she said, I thought we were all going to die. We were all going to die. She might have. You spared her. But others were not. What if we had been on that ferry? Would we have been ready to go? Have we made peace with God? Do we know that between God and myself, there's peace because I come to you on your terms? Father, I just ask you tonight for each young person here this evening, that none of them would walk out of the auditorium tonight without making peace with God. And that you would help them get a grip on this spiritual area of their life. We're dead, Lord. The Bible says that we're dead until we come to Christ. We're just existing. Or as you called the Pharisees, you said you're just of a living spirit. When we come to you, the world changes. It's as though someone put glasses on us for the first time and we realize what we weren't seeing. We understand what we never understood before. Father, I just ask you tonight, Touch the hearts of these young men and women. Come into their life. Wash them clean. Give them that new fresh start in life. Fill them with your hope and your peace and your goodness and your love and the joy and security that comes from knowing you. In Jesus' name.